Hey, welcome back to Intimate Interactions. Let's get back to discussing the ways we share love and intimacy with our fellow humans. Relationships, kink, polyamory, group sex, it's time to unlearn stigma and live our best lives as our best selves. All thanks to my amazing Patreon supporters. Intimate Interactions has no ads but this one. If you want to keep it that way, you can go to patreon.com slash victorsalmon. You get access to exclusive premium content like all of my coping with jealousy stuff. And hey, if that makes you jealous of my patrons, it sounds like it might be time to sign up. Free resources are available at victorsalmon.com slash resources, and book recommendations are at intimatepodcast.com forward slash books. Also, my Patreon supporters don't have to listen to this ad. Now, let's talk about the episode. Anal sex. It's one of my favorite topics because I really enjoy giving anal sex and have recently been attempting to enjoy receiving anal sex as well, with limited success. Jazz Goldman is also a veteran of giving anal sex to others, and they have recently become quite successful at enjoying receiving anal sex as well. We discuss our bodies, our strategies, and our outcomes. If you wanted a high-level conversation about the ins and outs of learning to enjoy anal sex, this is it. Now you've got me, like, thinking about all the IPA sounds that I don't know how to make. Now you have me thinking about all the weird um, diction exercises I used to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Pa, pa, pa. What was it? Tip Pee. of the tongue, teeth, and the lips. All of that. Red leather, yellow leather, good blood, bad blood. Really? Mm-hmm. Good blood, bad blood. Those are hard after the other. Red leather, yellow leather is a little hard because the er closing mm-hmm. your mouth in that way you don't want to open it up as wide but good blood bad blood is like actually hard for, for a lot of people so you'll say red leather yellow leather good blood bad blood mm-hmm. interesting it does really perk up your diction because you must enunciate mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah even the way you're like red leather yellow leather like is is softer it's still like comprehensible so it counts but right. red leather yellow leather good blood bad blood is Got like you, you know <laughs> yes totally. we're getting all the consonant sounds <laughs> you want to you want to know a longer one okay what a to do to die today at a minute or two till two a thing distinctly hard to say and harder still to do but there'll be a tattoo at 20 to two a tattoo, and the dragon will come when he hears the drum at a minute or two till two today at a minute or two till two I had to spend a lot of time learning that one, so I'm never going to forget it. I'm not even going to attempt that one. I couldn't even do red leather, yellow leather, good blood, bad blood. Well, you know, if you'd been in my freshman class, you would have been just as bad at it as me. And then within a few months of having to do it weekly, you would you would get it. You'd probably get it faster. <clears throat> Your freshman class in high school or mm-hmm. at LaGuardia? Yes. The one the airport is named after? Actually, I'm sure they're both not named after each other. They're both named after the same man, Fiorella H. LaGuardia. Right. And he is the reason why the school exists. Right. He was an early, like, oh, yeah, arts in the schools. This is a good thing. Sure. That makes sense. Mm Mm-hmm. And it produced a school that is now a draw, presumably, to a lot of talent. Presumably some of the best talent. Yes. Not presumably, like, actually. Like, actually some of the best talent. Yeah, like, if you look at the alumni of LaGuardia... It includes, it technically includes people like Al Pacino. He didn't really? St- yeah, he didn't stay because his father died, but he did oh. a couple of years. I know, right? <laughs> Sad. I like how if someone does a couple of years but doesn't graduate, they're alumni. Well, if they're Al Pacino, they are. Right. <laughs> a lot of people probably claim him all over the place. <laughs> but I think that, like, one of my teachers actually taught him. Jim Moody. Mm-hmm. who was in the fame movie. I got to oh. have a teacher that was in the actual movie. Neat. <laughs> he was a real actor and also a teacher at the school. I don't know how much of this is usable content. Are you recording? Yeah. Oh, well, the, the vocal exercises are always going to be charming. They, they I, don't, definitely I don't know about charming. Jim Moody, but I'm happy to shout him out anytime because he is a damn fine actor and teacher. <laughs> totally. Um, I will just make a note that we are starting. And intro everyone to the session of intimate interactions. Do you want to talk about anal sex this session, or do you want to talk about pegging? Let's talk about anal. Okay. Do you want to talk about why anal isn't pegging? Let's actually tackle that in pegging more. Yeah. Yeah, okay, cool. We have now sorted ourselves. Thank you for staying with us. (laughs) All right. Anal sex. Let's talk about anal sex. How would you describe your initial experiences with anal sex? Well, it's good we're starting this way because we can end on a happier note. 
Mm. Yeah. I mean, my first my first experiences with anal were painful and uncomfortable and unsatisfying. <laughs> I believe that. That is a very common story that you hear. Yeah. And it was honestly, in, in spite of some best efforts for two teenagers, because the, my first sexual partner for anal was my actual boyfriend at the time, and we had pretty good communication, and I don't know. Actually, now that I think about it, the whole reason why we <laughs> we started with anal because this individual was so um, concerned about pregnancy that they would not have vaginal sex with me until I was on birth control, even mm -hmm. though we were also and always did use condoms. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Birth control is theoretically more effective. Yes. But condoms prevent STIs. Yes. And are 99% effective when used properly. And we were both dorky enough to like learn how to use the condom properly you know i hear once you factor in all the people that don't use them correctly and use them for multiple sex acts and things it's down to 94 percent, which is still really high considering you're misusing the product 94 percent. i'd like them odds you know yeah that's that's a nice it's a nice stat to know mm -hmm. i hadn't heard that one well, it's the one people usually cite as the real world effectiveness, quote unquote, uh -huh, of condoms. Uh -huh. Instead of the, the theoretical effectiveness at like 99, it's 94%. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, because people will put on a condom, do oral sex, and then have sex. And it's like, yeah, if someone catches the condom on their teeth, you better believe it's not a good barrier anymore. Yeah. 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 Speaking of anal sex, um, yeah, that's a serious concern for anal sex because stretching the condom, if you're not using an adequate amount of lube... Um, makes condoms more prone to breaking in anal sex mm. than in vaginal sex. Mm. I'm fairly sure that our first lubricant that we used was a warming one, which is just, yeah. Oh, that does not sound comfortable. No, not especially not for an area of the body that naturally creates burning sensations sometimes when you are first exploring that anyway. Yes. So I was just adding to it. You were like, wow, I felt a little burning before, and now I feel burning with cinnamon. Adding flame to the fire, if yeah. you will. I mean, because usually when people think about cinnamon, they're like, oh, yeah, like who says this thing is worse with cinnamon? Like in, you tell someone that some baked good has cinnamon in it. Yeah. They're like, going to be like, cool, it has this, cinnamon. This has probably improved the situation. Yes. But butt sex, you throw cinnamon on there. Different for mucous membranes as it turns out. Oh, yeah. That's not better. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. That is a Deadpool moment right there. But I got to learn early on in my sexual experiences that warming lubes were not so much my thing. I didn't love them vaginally either, even though they weren't mm -hmm. uncomfortable. It's just kind of like, all right, tingly, kind of warm. My pussy's warm all the time anyway. Right. Next. <laughs> I'd rather be turned on than be chemically stimulated. Yeah. So early anal stuff after that. Oh, lorsh. Lorsh, lorsh, lorsh. I just made up a word because okay. I got so overwhelmed remembering That's the legit. next person I had like anal sex with it was even worse oh geez this is because this is good this is a good like multi-act story format start with my anal experiences initially were really bad uh -huh. and then they got worse i like this rising action please continue <laughs> well you know when you're 19 and don't have the confidence that you ought to because you were an awesome ass 19 year old and uh you partner up with people who have really shitty ideas about how to do sex. Mm. And, um, yeah, this, this guy was just very much like sort of grit and bear. He had had some anal sex in his life, even though he did not identify as anything but straight. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and not, not to, which not... is not to say that you can't, but... For this fella, and I'm not going to say more about his life because I'm not trying to, like, blow him up. Um, but, right. like, based on other things he shared and the fact that he had anal, I think he was at least bisexual uh, or into another gender besides my then, you know, female identity. Um, but, yeah, this this guy just, we didn't use lube. Like at least with with my first boyfriend, we were we were using lube. We weren't mm -hmm. using it well, like reapplying properly and all of that. Mm -hmm. But that's just learning curve. Yeah. This guy, 
he didn't even have condoms. Like the things you tolerate when you don't know better. Right. My first encounter with him, which was the only nice one, was also really problematic because I was like, all right, we're going to have intercourse now. Where are your condoms? Because I was, you know, still sort of expecting someone else to take care of things. I didn't have my own, you know, sense of... But that's also being 19. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, raised as a, as a woman, all the all the messaging that comes with that. I was also a safety girl, so I had my own condoms. <laughs> nice. But I should have fucking known this dude who was, like, at least 10 years older than me. Oh, jeez. Went, you know, went ahead with this date and brought me back home and we had all of this you know build up and got to the action and he just nowhere in that whole equation was there ever like i'm gonna have some condoms in my house like ah that's just so strange to me yeah yeah and i just at the time i was like oh i have i'm prepared so it's fine right but that that dude was just like uh just let's just keep trying even though you're clearly in pain and this isn't working and, you know, I mean, angles, right. there was no consideration of any of that. I think we tried to have anal sex the first time standing in the shower. Oh, geez. And that he was, is a and terrible he was much taller place. than me, you know, so. That is just a terrible idea. For noobs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you're experienced, fuck everywhere. Sure, sure. shower sex is hot, but like... Sure, but I mean, like, when I think about doing sex, I think about the difficulty of what I... I'm I'm such a nerd, I think of it in Dungeons and Dragons, like, perspective, right? (laughs) I'm like, what do I need to roll to make this sex act a success? And it's like, essentially what what I'm saying to translate for the rest of you who are not nerds is how difficult is what I'm doing and what's my likelihood of succeeding, Right. Like if I want to fuck this person and have it be really fun and amazing and have them be like, let's do that again every day for as long as we can. Um, how, how can I give them that experience? How can I entice them to do this again? Because I want to do it. And I very much love giving anal and I'm learning to receive anal. It's something I'm competent at doing, but not something I currently enjoy doing on a sexual level. Receiving, you mean? Receiving. Mm-hmm. I very much enjoy giving anal sex on a sexual level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've spent a lot of time in that place, too. Mm-hmm. Like, I got through the, the early years of bad anal experiences, which had a lasting impact, you know, because a lot of a lot of the the game with having a pleasurable anal is is psychological. It's mm-hmm. like being able to communicate enough between your brain and your body to enjoy an experience that like the first few times is often just confusing to the brain. Yep. So it's like reframing, you know, is a lot of what can make anal work. Um, And my frame work started in like the most classic negative fashion of like, this is going to hurt a lot. You're probably not going to enjoy it, but the person with you wants to do it. So you might as well keep trying. Right. Um, Whereas for me, my initial desire was like, I want this to be a pleasurable experience for myself. And it wasn't. I wouldn't say it hurt a lot, but it was, the funny thing is I learned about the experience of anal sex through very similar negative programming, Mm -hmm. except that I was the top through those situations. My my very first relationship that had anal sex in it, um, we didn't use lube and it wasn't especially... Um, pleasurable, I don't think, for the person receiving it, Mm -hmm. but they had received the information that it was going to be painful and you just grate your teeth and bear it. And they they didn't mention that it was really painful until like after we had finished. Hmm. So then when I sort of said like, well, you know, we don't have to do this. I very much enjoy it and want to do it. And that doesn't mean you have to do it either. They were sort of like, okay, let's not do it. And then I was like, Wait a minute. Can we can we talk about this? Oh, um, um, <laughs> snap! It was like it was like all of a sudden all of this programming of like don't be an asshole to people and don't like you know try and respect their consent as much as possible kind of came to a head with like oh but I I actually really like this thing and I want to do it for the rest of my life and I'm in a monogamous relationship with someone who doesn't really want to do it again. Yeah, that was an un in my opinion uncomfortable if not unhealthy power struggle in our relationship. Yeah. But I was also like 17 at the time. So like I cut myself some slack. Yeah. Yeah. You should cut yourself slack. And these things do happen. And I mean, like I had that come up 
when I was in college and first learning about Tantra, a subject I still need to learn a fuck ton about. No expert here on that. Mm -hmm. But um, I was very into it in my naive sort of way and tried to incorporate that into my romantic relationship at the time. And Mm -hmm. the person was like, yeah, you basically just need to take the lead because I don't really care a lot about it. I'm indifferent or something like that. Right, right. I mean, that's not even as extreme as the, let we can't do this. Like, oh, you said right. we don't have to. Cool. We're not gonna. <laughs> yeah. Which honestly is good. I'm super happy it's a good boundary. that yeah. they were able to set that boundary because it was clearly a boundary that they hadn't really had respected in the past. Mm. So it was really constructive and positive that that boundary was like, no, I don't want to do this thing. But then it just took on this weird life of its own in our relationship as a thing that was very clearly communicated that I really, really wanted to do. And that this person didn't really have any desire to explore. And when they did try, they had always found it painful and their expectation was it was going to be painful so it was like you know we tried quite a few times after that over the many years we were together and it was like just not working and I don't think it was ever going to work and Mm -hmm. looking back it was like I was so ill-prepared and undereducated and underinformed as a top Mm -hmm. Um, so when I started getting fucked in the ass it was like all of that programming came with it except I had witnessed it from the top perspective. I see. Now, since then, I've had a lot of anal sex partners that I've given anal sex to, and they've received it with pleasure or with certainly a lot less pain that, like, came before a lot of pleasure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that sort of has happened in stages. And I sort of see that progression you're talking about of people just being like, it feels weird. It feels like a lot of pressure. It feels a little bit burny. It feels a little bit uncomfortable or even just like, hold on a second. Could you just stop? I need to figure out what I'm feeling. Yeah. Like, I don't even know what I'm feeling in my own body because you're not used to practicing mindfulness in your butthole. Yeah. 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 Because it, it, you're used to it only functioning in one certain kind of way. Mm-hmm. I think the same can be true for people um, with vaginal sex like that, that experience mm. of, oh, this is weird and the pressure and what am I feeling like? That I think that is true for a lot of people. It wasn't my personal experience. I was my body was always pretty receptive to that, but um, but I heard from friends and things like that, you know, and and it it is I think you know it's sex sex acts penetrative sex can be really strange feeling when you're just getting used to it. Totally. Even if you go on to really love a thing, which like, spoiler, I love anal (laughs) (laughs) and have come to a place where I actively ask for it and like seek it out and, you know, engage in different ways with different people, um, Mm -hmm. anally. And, (laughs) you know, uh, I, I wouldn't have thought that was going to be the case even as recently as the end of last year. You know, I had, I've had good experiences between that last asshole I described and like the end of 2018, but. I like how half of my brain was like, are they talking about their own asshole in different incarnations (laughs) as like, I had this asshole. And then after I changed partners, my asshole took on a new life of its own. Or is this person. I mean, one could argue that. Or is this person saying after that asshole I was dating. After that asshole I was dating. Wonderful. That's Thank right. you for the clarification. Yeah. This this is the tricky bit about, like, non-descriptors. And, and asshole not necessarily being a derogatory term. I know. But I, know. I 100% support you being like, I had these partners and they sucked. Because I was one of those sucky partners. Like, earlier when I said, like, I cut myself some slack for being 17, that doesn't mean that I, like, don't see myself as having... Um, caused harm or that I don't see myself as having been a shitty partner. I just meant I cut myself some slack by being, I can own that I did really, I made poor life choices and did shitty things that caused harm to people. And additionally, I don't do those things anymore. And and I'm, contextually speaking, you were a baby. Yeah, I was very young. It 17 was, is very young for sexual activity. Well, and also I just hadn't had really any experience other than that experience so when you don't get the education Mm -hmm. and then you don't have any experience you don't really have any way of knowing what you don't know you essentially don't know what you don't know Mm -hmm. and you make bad life decisions because of it and this is why sex ed's so important it's 
part of the reason why I think it's so important that we do the kind of education that we love to do, yeah. sex ed. Yeah. And it's why I think it's so important we talk more openly about negative butt sex experiences in the context of, and I actually really enjoy butt sex now, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. more your story mm-hmm. versus mine being like, well, I haven't had super negative experiences with butt sex, but they've been really neutral. Mm-hmm. Just makes me think of Zap Brannigan. What makes a man neutral? <laughs> um, but <laughs> they've been really neutral experiences that have just been like, I'm sensing a lot of sensation. Some of the sensations are pretty intense. And I've noticed if I'm sexually stimulated in other ways while I'm experiencing those sensations, um, they don't detract from my sexual experience at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And any any negative components tend to fade away. And it's just also a thing that's happening. And I think the more I like masturbate while I get fucked in the ass, the more my brain will start associating those things. You know, neurons that fire together, wire together, all that jazz. Neuroplasticity, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. So eventually I'm thinking I can condition my brain to just really like it when I get fucked in the ass, which will be great because it'll open up a whole world of other sexual options to me that include me really sexually enjoying myself rather than me feeling like I'm giving someone an experience or feeling intimate with them or close to them. Cause like there are a lot of neutral sexual experiences that we can have where another person gets a lot of enjoyment. Sure. Yeah. yeah. In fact, that might be the default for some genders, which is scary as fuck to me. Right. And I would say it's also a common thing I've noticed in DS relationships even mm. like where a, a top will actively be in a very strong giving kind of a role and apart from the enjoyment of that and whatever aftercare they set up with their peep um you know they they're it's more about the other person like Mm -hmm. it's not so much about their bodies and their pleasure i've seen that anyway yeah Yeah, I think definitely there's a huge space for service topping that doesn't get called service topping because Mm -hmm. there's something like shameful about talking about service topping. It's like, it's like a defanged dom or something. People like look at it in this, like when really I think service tops are like the noblest of the, cause it's like, I mean, not, it's like you really are into topping because it's not uh, ultimately about you, which is my issue that I've had with bad tops is that it's always actually just about them right even when they are pretending or doing scening with you that Mm -hmm. it's like on you focus on you it's really still about them i should actually be really careful when i say that it's the noblest because i don't mean to say it's more noble than like service submission because service is service you're talking about topping i am talking about service topping specifically but i don't mean to elevate it above service bottoming and Mm -hmm. the reasoning behind that is in both cases someone's doing service that they want to do because service not because of the activity Typically, um, I mean, you can be that's doing very good and like switch minded of you to, well, you to can be... not put down the service subs. I, I don't want to put down the service submissives. That doesn't seem fair. Well, because in both cases, you have someone who's service oriented, who does something as a service and often doesn't get the recognition, doesn't get the acknowledgement. And of course, doesn't ask for what they want. <laughs> right. Um, and I'm again, this doesn't apply to everyone. I'm just saying these are pitfalls. Sure. So when we start talking about service topping in the context of anal sex, which does happen, there are pitfalls to watch out for, both for the service submissives that are like, yeah, you can fuck me in the ass because like I can do that and it's a thing you really want and giving you service is valuable to me in the way that, for example, I bought them for anal sex a lot of the time. Although I have the not so much hidden agenda, but ulterior ulterior agenda that is i would like one day to also really enjoy this activity yeah that's what kept me going yeah is that ultimate sort of thought and desire in in the wake of opposite experiences for years i was like i started to have more and more pleasurable sex in different configurations in different parts of my body and it just didn't advance at the same rate mm-hmm. with with anal mm-hmm. um i kind of cut you off though no no you're that's you're fine do you do you want to hear about the first mind-blowing anal sex experience i had yes and that i want to i want to make a note first of something yes um which is um i've had a partner before that when we were trying new things um they would say yeah i'll give that i'll give that a try like once or five times Mm. Um, because sometimes you really do have to try something a few times. Yes. Yes. So like the try it once is, is a way to, 
to fail with anal because not that there is the, not that there is such a thing. You can always come no, back. No, like to if it. your goal is to to succeed at it in terms of like having You're, an anal experience that is pleasurable. Right. Um a good way to fail at that is to, you know, yeah, say like, just once. Right. Well I would yeah, I would reframe it almost as like if you're only gonna try anal once um, you really want to set up ideal conditions for that first and only attempt that you're going to make. And I would come at it with the expectation that you're going to try it once and you're going to have a very neutral experience at best. Yeah. And yeah. occasionally you might be one of those really lucky humans that just has insane innervation where, you know, the right bits get touched inside mm -hmm. through that, that um, rectal genital membrane. Mm -hmm. And all of the bits inside that make up your unique genitals are going to get stimulated and you'll go, oh, this is really sexually pleasurable. Right. And if you're really, really like 90th percentile and above, <laughs> and, I, and I don't mean this in any way to suggest like worthiness or like It's not value. about competition, it's about stats. It's just about the, the raw stats of like humans. Um, and I'm guessing... And the, and the small percentage of those who have amazing pleasurable experiences the very right. first time right because that's is, also not true with vaginal right. typically it's not great the first time even in terms for the of the same like, reasons right and even in terms of um fucking with a penis like um i don't want to like crap on any of my former partners but like my my first time was not what i expected it to be sure. and i was angry for years about how different it was than i expected Aww, it to be you, your like virginity experience wasn't what you wanted well, or like de-virginizing experience. So I think for me, we will get back to your hot story of anal sex soon, because there are definitely some like anal sex, like lovers listening to this being like, shut up and let the human talk. <laughs> um, right. Anticipation. Um, right. Fuck. That was Will Ferrell in Megamind, right? Or was he referencing someone else? That, he was referencing someone else. He was referencing probably Rocky Horror. Yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Wow, we are so sidetracked because I'm just like bouncing all over the place. I wanted to talk about trying things multiple times and then what, what did we get onto from there? You also forgot? That's legit. Why don't you just go with your story now that I've totally like... Uh, you're on to something. <laughs> I was on to something I was very excited about in terms of anal sex, having a neutral experience. You were talking about um, how upset you were about your uh, right. actual Right, thank you. That's what derailed me. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, right, that practice is super important. Masturbation is super important. If you think about it, people that have the best, like, genital experiences for their quote-unquote de-virginizing, whatever the fuck that commodity is, <laughs> um, they're the people, in my opinion, who've masturbated the most and have the best awareness and mindfulness of their own genitals. They know what gets them off. They know what they want and they have a pretty good idea of like what things feel like. That would be my guess. I think that's that's not necessarily a rule that applies to everybody. No, I like this theory because it, it lines up well with my own personal story. It, it lines up well with my experiences too. I, I literally practiced for losing my virginity. Like I would masturbate and edge myself to specifically extend like how long I could go so oh. that when I lost my virginity, I would be able to be, you know, a, stud. a performance Not someone lover. who just was like, poof, in five minutes or something, right. which, which is a joke. Which, right, which speaks a lot to the amount of social anxiety I was experiencing around gender and all right. these expectations of what I had to be in my first sexual experience and I really pushed my body and like literally trained myself. And then when we had sex, we went for like 40 minutes and it was nowhere near as stimulating as I expected it to be. And I found that I like wasn't really getting close to orgasm, but I also wasn't focused on that. I wanted my partner to come and my partner just had never and didn't. And it was like, yeah. why aren't you, why aren't you orgasming? And I was like, well, I was focused on your pleasure. And then they were like, don't be focused on me. Like, I just want you to come. And it was Oof. like, okay, well, I've never had sex like this before and I'm not going to come from sex like this. So in the end, I ended up masturbating. Yeah. And I've, I think that happens a bunch. Yep. People just probably don't talk about it. Probably. Similar to your masturbation practice, I um, started using vibrators at 14 and specifically got um, an internal one to mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to bust my own cherry mm -hmm. i didn't i didn't want that experience with the first person the first human like body right. that i fucked fucked with right. besides my own i was like oh no i want to be able to just 
jump on that dick and yep. do the fun things. Yeah. I don't want. I yeah. want to be performant. I don't uh-huh. want. I don't want to be like possessed in a way or like. There's or, some weird. Or just like, um, like I didn't want any of the uncomfortableness that I assumed would go with that. Right. With like the pain and the blood, which right. like. Huh, didn't bleed because hymens don't always act the way that we're told that they do. Some right. people also don't even have them to begin with. Right. A lot of people who are athletic, um, who have hymens, tear them when they're young and don't even realize it. Right. I'm actually fairly certain that if I did have a hymen, I busted it when I was in elementary school because um, I remember falling on my own heel. Like I fell into right. a kneeling position where I like, rammed my heel heel up my crotch and i remember it was the most horrifying pain i'd ever felt and and then i was okay right so maybe it was just a bad bruise because you know heels have bone and who knows but i like i've scanned my brain to be like what was my hymen origin story and if it ever i think that was it (laughs) All, all i remember about being in elementary school to do with my genitals is being kicked in the genitals frequently what because it's common in elementary school. Little boys will kick other oh. little boys in the balls. Mm-hmm. Little girls will kick little boys in the balls. For funsies. It got to the point, it was so bad at my school that someone's mom came to talk to our class to tell us to stop kicking each other in the balls because her son had gotten kicked in the balls like three times. Jesus. In like, in like probably in like a week or two. <gasps> oh. And so then she was like, you're not going to be able to have kids if your entire class she is just way, destroying huh? your genitals nope. consistently. And it's Fear-mongering. Like, yeah. Control children. Right, right. It which, works sometimes. Which, to be honest, was probably for the best because I don't know how much more my testicles could have taken. Um, but... That's brutal. Like, I've heard of bag tapping, which is like, you know, you sure, a the, little... Oh, and that's, that's uncomfortable. Yeah, it's terrible, but at least it's not, like, as physically harmful. It's more psychologically harmful, which is just as valid. No, I mean, like, you know how... Have you ever had the experience where, like, um, if you're moving really quickly and then you, like, kind of crush a breast, it can, like, ache or hurt? What? Can no. You, can you say that again? I don't... Like, if you twist or you're running or you go downstairs without a bra uh-huh. and you have, like, a crushing kind of, like, ooh, that kind of hurts... Sort of. Yeah, I think I know what you mean. Okay, have you ever have you ever menstruated and had gonad pain where you were like, oh my God, my ovaries are hurting so much I want to throw up? Yeah. Yeah. So That I've had. <laughs> so when gonads get crushed, there is and this is this is not me mansplaining menstruation to you. I'm talking about testicles now. Yes. But my feeling is it's probably the same, and correct me if I'm wrong, but when testicles get crushed if not any gonad, there is this like lightning bolt of pain that goes from the genitals through the abdomen, like all the way up to my throat. Like that's how intense gonad pain is for me. Mm -hmm. And it often makes me a little bit nauseous. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, That's what being kicked in the balls is like. Like it is like instant menstrual pain and intense menstrual and abdominal cramping from just being kicked super hard in the balls. That's at least my recollection from when I was a kid. But fortunately for me, it's been a long time since I've been kicked in the balls. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. We just went on a rant about like, and don't get me wrong. If you really like being kicked in the balls, that's great. Um, (laughs) Asterisk. Asterisk. Consensual ball kicking is A-okay. Definitely. those who love it. (laughs) Yes. Yes. The other kind of cognitive behavioral therapy. Oof. Cock and ball torture, (laughs) which I have bottomed for. But it didn't involve. (laughs) Well, we might need to do (laughs) might to do some on our own. (laughs) Um, But I haven't done any testicle destruction type stuff because that's oh that is just so difficult for me. But like clothes pegs, like um, being bound with jute, like twine, like that kind of stuff. Ooh, I saw that eyebrow go up. (laughs) I got a real distinct image from (laughs) that sentence (laughs) those things those things are fine i feel really comfortable with what my like genital flesh can take if it's not my gonads because like vulvas it's surprising how resilient genital flesh is until you get to gonad pain and then your body's just like nope 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 typically i would almost argue to flip 
the way you framed gonad pain to say that when someone with testicles is kicked, um, that they are getting a glimpse of menstrual pain. Sure. Like, because it's... It's it's not mandatory for us. Right, for right. For AMAB humans like myself. Right. Whereas it's mandatory to some to a large extent for folks who have uteruses. Right. They're going to menstruate, probably. Yes. Maybe they're, not. They're probably going to get probably. excruciating abdominal pain that might make them actually vomit. I was fortunate enough to never be someone who did that, but I, I know people who... That is a bullet dodge. And of, and of course, there isn't exactly like a lot of research or medical help for things like that. It's not like you can go and say, I'm subjected to this thing like 12 no. times, potentially 12 times a year. The only answer you're really going to get back likely, and please email me if I'm wrong about this, but the only answer you're going to get back is like, here's some birth control. It might or might More not More or less, the, the magic answer is the pill for, yeah. for a host of... Um, reproductive related discomforts and right. disorders that, uh, you know, it took a long time for us even to admit that, that, um, that menstrual pain was real. Right. Like through the seventies, I want to say doctors were telling people that it was in their heads Wow. because they didn't care enough to do actual fucking research. Yeah. Um, ruthless. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but maybe we should talk about happy butt sex things. Yeah, let's talk about happy butt sex things. So, I got uh, so distracted. I'm sorry, folks. Let's go. Um, let's go on your story that you were going to talk about, which okay. was when you had super hot anal sex. Yeah. So I was like a few years into my sexual exploration and uh, found a sex educator friend who really loved anal, and I told him my experiences and he made it his mission to give me a good experience so one day we planned an anal day and he was like look this is how it's going to go if you feel any discomfort any pain any burning i will stop and if you tell me to i'll pull out but we're like if you're in pain we're going to pause and so he managed to do that for like an hour and after an hour, my body finally relaxed and I had, and I had experiences that made me want to holler, you know, like, and I had just, that had not been the case before. Like maybe a few like, mm, you know, or whatever, like just some sounds, but not like, oh yeah, kind of stuff. <laughs> not like stuff where you need to, you know, put your face in a pillow. And that's, that's what happened. And I just, I didn't know that my body could do that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, hats off to, to Eric. I won't say his last name, but he... You're like, shout out. ...is a public sex educator, or at least was at the time. And, you know... Um, educated your ass. He so. educated my ass. And he educated me in how to approach anal sex. Mm-hmm. Like, it set a new bar. One, that somebody could be that patient. And mm. that I could expect patients of that sort from anal sex. Definitely. Demand uh, demand that emotional labor. Mm-hmm. If you're going to be bottoming for anal sex, demand that yeah. you have a top that cares about you and cares about your experience, especially. Yeah. If they can't wait for you to adjust, for your body to, to be where it needs to be so you can enjoy what's happening, they don't deserve your butthole. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everyone makes mistakes. Everyone has a learning curve. I'm not saying like if someone has one rough anal sex experience with you and they're otherwise a cool person, throw them out. But sure pay attention yeah um and it's and it's okay to call folks in on that and just be like hey we had this experience it wasn't an experience i'd like to repeat i am interested in doing butt sex things how do you feel about me asking for these things like here here is what butt sex comes with for me it comes with all of these expectations do you think that's something you're interested in or would you rather not have butt sex with me mm-hmm. and i recognize that gets complicated in monogamy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all you monogamous folks with your complicated ass relationships <sighs> i say that with love you also, do anyway. <laughs> Which? Mm-hmm. You say that with love. I, that's true. I say crickets, crickets. Right, right. Yeah. Well, I mean, the way that I look at it is like for all the ways that non-monogamy is super complicated, because that's typically the criticism. Non-monogamy sounds so complicated. It is just like any other kind of relationship. It's just different things are complicated. If I don't have good anal sex with one person, that's fine. Mm-hmm. I can go have good anal sex with someone else. Mm-hmm. And if they're like 
we don't connect in how we like to have anal sex, but I'm having anal sex with this person C way over here or person D. Um, that's fine. Go get the D in the ass. That's mm-hmm. fine. I will go fuck C in the ass. Not an issue. And maybe the chemistry that we have in our anal partnerships is just better than it would be if the two of us tried to have anal sex together. For me, that's a way simpler solution. Oh, anal sex isn't working between the two of us? Cool. Let's do something else. We can literally put almost no effort into fixing that problem and simply go have better anal sex with better with partners that are more compatible for our needs. Mm-hmm. That's a simple fucking solution. In monogamy, you don't have that solution. It's almost as if non-monogamy is the most elegant solution. I wouldn't go that far. It is one elegant That's solution. That's why I said almost as <clears throat> if. I see what you did there. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. <laughs> Far, far be it for me to be sticking up for, for monogamous folks having a very legitimate style of relationship. This is like, an, I mean, and it's not that I'm playing devil's advocate, but like usually my position of moderate, of like moderate, um, like my moderate positioning is rarely spent defending monogamy. <laughs> but when you come on the show, I'm like, I'm like, the monogamous are okay. Like, well, I'm like, a, I'm like this unusual ass person that technically has always been in open relationships like right. from the very first relationship the one i described cool. where we had the bad anal yeah. um we were intentionally and consensually non-monogamous That's from the great. start we didn't do jack shit because we were teenagers and it's actually uh, if it's hard enough for adults to like find a flow in non-monogamy can you imagine being like a minor you know it's not really yep. a thing yeah but you know it was it was real, and we had some minimal experimentation outside of our partnership mm-hmm. that didn't cause problems and was like on the up and up, you know. And totally. so i I have this sense of my life as like non monogamy is super normal, and sometimes that comes out in making fun of monogamy because mm. I just I just want my life to be seen as normal, mm-hmm. you know, because I don't think normal is real. I just want everyone to have the lives that they want. Yeah. So I guess in making fun of monogamy, I'm kind of trying to level the playing field, which is maybe not the most mature thing to do. I I appreciate where it comes from, though. Like, I get where that anger comes from. When I was living in a Bible belt as an atheist, I was a staunch atheist. And the second I moved up to Vancouver, all that shit quieted down. I just don't give a fuck anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, like if someone Christian says something that's like super challenging, I'm like, oh, that just doesn't challenge me anymore. Like, they're welcome to believe the earth is 6,000 years old. Next. Like, it just doesn't affect me. <laughs> Living in a Bible belt, that was different because, like, a lot of people believed that. Like, well, there's an impact. There's an impact. On you. Right. Like, to be surrounded by that. Right. And to not have your viewpoint, your life philosophy, whatever, like, honored. even represented at all. Right. Or, for uh, that right. matter, respected. Like, totally erased was more what was happening right. with you. And. Now, when I, if I were to run across a New Earth Christian today, I'd just be like, huh, that's really different from what I believe. And, and we like wouldn't have to get into it unless they were really staunchly pursuing it. Right. They really wanted to pick a bone with the microbiologist about yes. the Earth being 6,000 years old. For clarity, I don't work as a microbiologist. I have a degree in it, which is not the same. But It's not the same, but, but I like I bragging you. about your science. Oh, your... I just like it. Thank you. Thank you. Did we do any of the questions? We did some of them. We did two, three of them. Three? Okay. Let's talk about lube. Um, do you use it? How much and why? Oh. Dun, so, dun, like, dun. patience and lube yeah. are the most important foundations, I think, for having pleasurable animal They're sex. They are the bread and butter of the butt sex sandwich. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which, in my case, would be gluten-free vegan bread and non-dairy butter. Oh. Right. You might even throw some peanut butter and jam on there. This is turning into a really dirty analogy. Yeah, it got nasty real quick. It, it did. As lube sex, is super yeah. important. It is, yes. And you, I don't think you can use too much lube as a rule for any sex act, right. but particularly for anal play. There's no such thing as too much. It's not a self-lubricating part of the body. Mm-hmm. So you're just going to need more of a baseline because you won't have reinforcements. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, so how much do I use? I mean, okay, so like my, my tips are do a combo of silicone and water-based. Silicone doesn't, um, 
it doesn't evaporate into the body the way that water-based lube does, so it has longer lasting power. Mm -hmm. It's not as thick, so you don't necessarily get as much of a cushion. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's why I like to use the water-based lube. So typically I'll start with a lot of silicone, like super liberal, like all over the implement, whether it's a body part, a finger, you know, a dick or Mm -hmm. or toys. Yeah, the insertable should be covered in lube and the inside of your butthole should already have some lube in it. Yes. Be really careful inserting fingers if the fingernails have not been very carefully groomed. And like, even if you trimmed your fingernails and you have filed, yes, absolutely filed down the leading edge, you want to make sure when you take your fingernails and you scrape on the inside of your other hand down and up, you don't feel like it would be scratchier than you would want in your own butthole. Mm -hmm. And then if you take your fingernails and you rotate your fingers so that you're kind of trying to scratch with the right side of all the fingers on that hand and then try to scratch with the left side. Because sometimes where your cuticle kind of comes to um, like that corner Mm. of the skin that's above your nail, um, by above, I mean proximal to your body. So closer to your heart, not further. Um, that like cuticle can have really rough skin tags on it, Mm. especially towards the corners. Mm -hmm. And that's what you really want to police for. You want to make sure your cuticle is soft and your nail is soft. And it's very common for people to miss one or the other or both. Mm. So fingers are like almost harder from the topping side because you've really got to like be careful. And I would highly advise you to use gloves for two reasons. Mm -hmm. One, the gloves form a soft barrier around any skin tags or sharp nail pieces that you may have missed, fundamentally softening your finger, making it take less, um, making it sort of disrupt or impact the receiving person's stamina less. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the second reason is if you're getting lube, which is potentially silicon and like, like butt matter, like up underneath your nails, when you wash your hands, that's not necessarily going to get cleaned. Mm -hmm. My experience has never been having any consequences from that, right? Like I'll stick that in my mouth, but then again, I'll go down on someone's butthole and stick my tongue right inside. If you're not the kind of person who feels comfortable with that, maybe wear some gloves when you're sticking fingers inside someone. The other thing about gloves that's a boon is um, it won't absorb lube like your hand would. Right. So you don't have to reapply as much and you get better... Bang for your buck, literally. Love it. Yeah. When we talk about reapplying, we're mostly talking about water-based lubes where you're going to be essentially drying out yeah. the lube. Yeah, which is also why I like to do silicone first. Yeah. It's, 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 a, it's a way to avoid or outright just like eliminate the um, no more lube in the butt scenario. Because sometimes this happens like you're, you're doing something anally and it feels so good and you go for a while... And, and then, then you like go to move and it's fuck. dry as a bone. And you're like, holy crack. Huh? I didn't want to say the other thing. I was like, dang it. No, <laughs> too many butt puns. Right. Holy crap. Holy crap. Mm. Yeah. That was a bad joke. They were all bad. Holy crack. Holy crap. All butt know, puns. All bad. butt puns. In fact, even just holy is a butt pun. Oof. See? Ugh. I thought you did it deliberately, and I was like, that's a lot of puns. I almost never make sex puns deliberately. (laughs) You make a lot of them. I know. Uh, They are very often accidents. And this used to happen when I worked in a sex shop all the time. It was a great icebreaker for the clients. They would just be like, oh, ha, ha, ha. And I'd be like, yeah, I meant to do that. Jesus. (laughs) So we're sort of coming into our our last little bit. I want to talk about... um, Actually, on our last two questions, I want to talk about how important is your emotional state to having a good anal experience? It's super important. I mean, it's funny because I think so much of this conversation has been like applicable to many sex acts. Mm-hmm. Um, you you know, you, you need to have a good state of mind to enjoy the sex that you're having, I mm-hmm. think, in just kind of a, a flat way. Yeah. But with anal, because you're dealing with two sphincters one that you can control and one that you can't being settled into the experience feeling safe feeling comfortable is 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 just so much more important like you mm-hmm. can't will 
anal sex to be enjoyable like you, you really but you can will having anal sex which will make it more enjoyable in my experience like that that desire that will of like oh i'm gonna fucking get this inside my ass i want it in my ass that desire that genuine like state of like like this is gonna happen i want it to happen yeah is half of opening that inner sphincter yes and I which think, is the state of mind is the right. question you just asked and i think the second half of that is like oh when it happens it's gonna feel good so like one of the pieces is like i want this to happen the other piece is like i am confidently safe that this is gonna happen mm-hmm. whereas if you're worried about your safety even if it's kind of like a lingering doubt in your mind that's going to impact your inner sphincter which is like about three inches inside rough and ready yeah three four inches somewhere I've like heard, that i've heard two to three whatever. yeah i can i could see that yeah, yeah. two to three it depends Mileage on will vary yes it depends on probably how tall you are among other things yeah. how big of a human you are uh-huh. are you a person that has a really long person butt, stature or even just a person who has long intestines uh-huh. versus quote-unquote short intestines whatever the hell that means because there's just there's so much human variation anyways the point being yeah that you have your anus right on the outside that you can control even if sometimes you don't feel like you can control it (laughs) i mean that in the context of relaxing for anal sex right (laughs) (laughs) so many butt puns um versus your inner sphincter which you don't directly control but to say you don't have any control of it i think is overstating because you control your emotional state and your emotional state controls your inner sphincter so that's a pro tip yeah 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 i mean and i I heard recently someone talking about you know anal is about trust and that could be another way of framing what you're describing Mm -hmm. if you can have a sense of trust with the person as you're, you know, engaging in this way, then that is setting your brain up to have the best experience that you can have that day. We could do a whole episode on coaching for anal sex. We mm-hmm. should. We really should. Because yeah. coaching anal sex is the next step from this. So now that and we've talked like about it. you're like a really good anal coach. Oh, thank you. So you oh. should share that out with the oh. world. I will. You're seeing. I'm seeing a really cute, bashful expression. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's end the episode. Okay. Bye. Bye. So how did you like it, Intimates? Leave your comments on facebook.com slash intimate interactions or directly on patreon.com slash Victor Salmon. Both communities are easy to find from intimatepodcast.com. So what are you waiting for? Go join the free Intimates community and start connecting with others. I'll see you on there. Disclaimer. I apologize if I said something that hit a nerve or played off a hateful idea or stereotype. I'm open to being called in. Chances are, in six months, I'll look back aghast and see something problematic I've since grown from. I'm certainly not perfect, but I am trying to be mindful of the voices I lift up and the perspectives I encourage. You can email feedback to podcast at victorsalmon.com. Thanks for your kindness. Attribution. The tracks I use are published under the Creative Commons Attribution License. The intro track was Lost Souls by Portrayal, and the outro track was Restoration by Uncle Milk. Land Acknowledgement. I apologize first for any pronunciations I might butcher. I wanted to acknowledge that I recorded this podcast on the unceded traditional Coast Salish territories of the Musqueam, Kwantlen, Stazuminus, Stolo, Sawasan, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. Shout out to the Sekwepmek nation, on whose land I got my degree, considering the Kamloops Indian Residential School closed only in 1996 when I was 10, I have found nothing but unending patience and kindness in the Tekemlupste Sekwepmek folks with whom I've interacted. Let's never forget genocide in the hope we don't make the same dehumanizing, cruel mistakes again. Thank you.